we get out there and start talking. I'm talking about my comedy CD, telling everybody <laughs> to buy it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just was tension when Lizzie started talking and then Rosie said something. And I'm like, wait a minute, this ain't fun no more. And during the commercial break, it was just, oh my, it was, that's what people don't see during the commercial right. breaks. They don't. What happened? Lizzie was going off and I was like, oh my God, the baby, the baby. <laughs> Welcome to Deja the View. Every episode is special, but it's a very special episode. It's especially a special because we're going to be discussing the View's podcast series, Behind the Table. We're going to spend some time getting behind, behind the table, getting underneath the table, around <laughs> it, in front of it, and we're going to discuss the podcast series that The View launched in its 25th season as a bit of a celebration and look back on this historic show. I'm sure it's not the case, but I feel like this might be the first podcast about a podcast. Well, we have always been the first of many <laughs> things here at Deja The View. And how do I address it? Should I just address it? How do I... The elephant that's not in the room? Marie has left the podcast. Get well soon, Marie. (laughs) (laughs) Marie is not with us today, which is highly unusual. She is off working somewhere and she was not able to be with us. So we, we just... We had to push on without her, but she sends her love. She's actually, she's on location right now. She's doing the 10-minute version of Senorita, Sean's version, (laughs) Sad Girl Winter. So she's working hard on that. Sean Ross's version. (laughs) But actually, she is just very busy right now. She's working, so she couldn't be here. And honestly, it's messed up, and I'm, I'm upset. I'm just as upset as you are. I actually asked her to record a laugh track just of her laughter for us. I think she thought that I was joking. (laughs) Did she not record it? (laughs) No. Oh my God. I thought we were, I was getting a surprise here. No, I wanted to program it into our soundboard. And then honestly, we would be good to go for the future. uh, That's true. In any event that we can't have her with us. But um, she did actually record a message for us that I will play in a moment. But that's why Sean and I are just riding solo today. My palms are sweating because I remember the last time that we released an episode where both co-hosts were not available. And I think that it was when you were out east visiting home and I had to co-host the podcast with Marie and I will never forget there's a tweet that still keeps me up at night where somebody tweeted us and said in the future if both co-hosts aren't available you should just not release an episode (laughs) 
Yeah, and the other thing is people are always like, emergency episode. Well, here's the thing about an emergency episode. It's bare bones. It's you make do with what you've got. (laughs) So here it is. And the emergency is that behind the table has come to an end, uh, an early death. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's just over. Yeah. So we are going to spend this episode going through each episode and giving you like a couple takeaways from each one. But since we haven't had a chance to chat since the Halloween episode, I mean, Mm. we have to take a moment to acknowledge that day in view history because what an incredible comeback from last year. Yeah. I felt a little bit bad. I felt a little bit bad that we couldn't have an emergency episode about Halloween because we literally spent an entire year complaining. It was almost like a massive like apology episode to the viewers. <laughs> it was this mm-hmm. huge celebration. It surpassed my wildest dreams. The View co-host put together, well, I mean, <laughs> the staff of The View... <laughs> Sarah was up all night (laughs) sewing sequins they put together this movie musical theme and the opening was just just I I couldn't have dreamed it or I could have dreamed it and never would have expected it to actually happen it opened with Sarah uh, in her dressing room doing a little skit and I was like oh yeah cool they're doing a skit can't wait to see where this goes and then she opens her mouth and starts Singing? Movie? Musical? Lyrics? Okay. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Okay. One more search here. How to be a performer. I had chills all over my body. And then from there, it just kept going and going into Anna and Sunny doing their little mm-hmm. um, Annie Oakley bit to Sunny mm-hmm. doing fame in the hallway and Sarah as her backup dancer. Like, what incredible joy that brought me. Good singers, young singers. <laughs> Literally singing live, even joy singing live. Yeah, And then all of the hoes at the table doing Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, One More Time. (laughs) Singing. Singing. Singing singing live vocals. I just could not believe that happened. And so we wanted to make sure that Marie, that we got Marie's feedback on this historic day. So before you turn off the episode, don't worry, we do have a message from her. And I asked her to give us her rundown of this incredible day, what she thought of the co-host costumes, and she did it in her own Marie way. So here's Marie. Good morning, America. I'm excited to tell you on Tuesday morning, March 29th, I'll be performing for the first time ever in a special concert in San Francisco's historic Castro District on Good Morning America. And I promise you, it'll be a morning to remember. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. That was the wrong script. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Deja the View. If you're hearing this voice recording, it means the one, two, three punch of Sarah Haynes dressed as Satine, Britney Spears being freed from her conservatorship, and the release of Red Taylor's version, including All Too Well 
10-minute version, Taylor's version, took me out, and I'm sadly unable to be there live with Kevin and Sean. But that does not mean I will be silent on The View's historic 2021 Halloween episode. Kevin so kindly asked me to share my thoughts on the co-host's Halloween costumes. So let's go on a journey together as we break down each and every look. I'll be using my own ranking, which I so creatively called The View's Halloween Looks as songs from Moulin Rouge. Starting with Whoopi as the evil plant from Little Shop of Horrors. Okay, I'm sure this plant has a name, but I don't have Wi-Fi right now, so I don't really care to use my data to Google it. Sorry to this plant. For me, this look was uh, Lady Marmalade from the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. It sticks with Whoopi's theme of doing these over-the-top costumes that allow her to sit. But there's nothing boring about it. It's familiar, it's fun, just like Christina Aguilera singing over all of her fellow vocalists. Next, we have Sunny as Dina Jones from Dreamgirls. This, for me, is very sparkling diamonds, obviously. It's giving, snapping on the two and the four. It's a fun tribute, and I have to give a special mention to Sunny's hair person because that was not a shake-and-go wig. She said, volume, and I said, turn it up, I'm listening. Then we have Joy as Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now this, for me, is Elephant Love Medley from Moulin Rouge. It's unexpected, it's chaotic, and it's one of the best things I've ever experienced. Seeing Joy do the time warp with the audience, well, to quote the song, I can't help loving you. Also, just like full disclosure, when I first saw Joy's look, I fully thought that she was the sexy evil maid from the first season of American Horror Story, and I almost passed away. After that, we have Anna as Eva Perone from Evita. Evita is one of my most favorite musicals of all time, and by that I mean I watched the Madonna movie when I was way too young, and that, along with Jennifer Lopez as Selena, would become my entire personality for most of my childhood. Anna in this was giving, one day I'll fly away. She said live vocals. She said performance. She said charisma. She said props and stunts. I personally really didn't think that anyone else's look would top this until the next one. So finally we have Sarah Haynes as Satine from Moulin Rouge. Several of you tagged me, DM'd me, texted me, asking me if I was physically and emotionally okay within moments of this airing on live television, and for that, I thank you. In short, no, I was not well, bitch. A thing about me is that I love Moulin Rouge so much that Nicole Kidman literally made it onto my Spotify rap last year which is an incredible feat for someone who has recorded exactly six songs in their lifetime. Sarah as Satine is Come What May and your song. It's monster energy drink in my veins. It's the emotional equivalent of the Kool-Aid man busting through a wall. And I can't even talk about the parallels between this look and Taylor Swift's red tour top hat look. There's literally not enough time in the world for that. 
I would just like to send flowers to whoever was behind this decision, and I think that an entire new category of GLAD Award, GLAD Ally Award, needs to be created to recognize this look. If I sound unhinged, it's because I am. The View really let us down last year with Halloween, and honestly, if that is the price we had to pay for this year's show, I'm fine with it. Thank you all for listening to my thoughts. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a contestant application for The Chase to continue filling out. I love you all, and take a little time to enjoy the Moulin Rouge soundtrack streaming wherever you get your music. (laughs) So, yeah. Thank you, Marie. Thank you for that. I feel like she's here with us. Right. She's haunting us. But... I can't stress enough what an incredible episode. It really, it what it, just like what a comeback, what a comeback. Ten out of ten. Let's never forget Sarah on the swing and the live vocals mm-hmm. of this day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was interesting that Sarah was on the swing in the sateen costume because Whoopi also did that costume and routine at the Oscars when she hosted the year that Moulin Rouge was out. Oh, yeah. That was Whoopi's entrance to the Oscars was on the swing uh, and and doing the whole Satine act. Oh, my God. Well, Sarah, her mind, it amazes me. She has the mind of a master. Okay, so let's get behind, behind the table. I'm getting up on the table. Let's get, get off the table, Sean. <laughs> oh, no, our table. Okay, so before we get into the specific episodes, what are your overall thoughts of this podcast series and your takeaways? Okay, I'm really happy that they did this. It's something I never expected them to do. I We have joked on social media about how we weren't involved and that's we weren't consulted. That's not a consulted. joke to me. I'm heartbroken. Well, that's what I was going to say, but... I'm glad that they did it. I had really high expectations for the series when they announced it. It turns out to like, it's just come to an abrupt end, I think. I thought that it was going to be like a season 25 long thing. All season. Maybe they weren't going to be able to release an episode every week. I know how hard it is to push an episode uh, on a regular schedule. Do I ever? (laughs) But I did think that they could like extend it a little bit. Like even if they transitioned from this point to like monthly episodes we could even get different mix-ups of people and i think that you know with each co-host that they do they kind of do like a career spanning conversation but it would be interesting to get them to like zero in on specific things but we can get more into that when we talk about the actual Mm -hmm. conversations my overall thoughts were mainly just rosie's missing Mm -hmm. and also where's michelle collins (laughs) That mm-hmm. seemed like someone that I think a lot of people really wanted to hear from because I think in the same category as Nicole Wallace almost like of co-hosts who just really got the short end of the stick like we want to hear from Michelle like we want to hear like how does she look back on that experience because I mean I know a little bit from listening to her podcast and stuff but like would have been so nice to hear her talk to Whoopi but maybe that is in the works for the future. But Rosie and Elizabeth also, just two people that were really missing from this. And I'm sure that they both are very hard to get. Elizabeth, I'm a little surprised that they couldn't Mm -hmm. get her to sit down with Whoopi. Rosie, I mean, that's nearly impossible. But 
when you are looking back at the history of the view and you're doing a series about it, it is quite hard to not in, to to you know Rosie is always going to be such an integral part of the view's history, and her well, she's and her name in came almost up every episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought it was a really really good series. Like I really really enjoyed it. But yeah, definitely if they are doing future episodes, I think like there are some big names that were left out of this as well as some like maybe less, uh, less, like what do you say? How do you refer to these survivor players that are a little less? Unsung heroes. Unsung heroes of the view, (laughs) like a Michelle Collins that we'd love to hear from. Or like, for example, an Anna Anna Navarro didn't make an appearance. Yeah. Sit Anna Navarro down with Elizabeth Hasselback. <laughs> See what happens. Sit Anna down with uh, Rosie Perez. Exactly. Let's hear that conversation. Other takeaways from this, like thematically, Whoopi is the most beloved co-host of all time. She's yeah. everyone's protector. She's everyone's mom. And Barbara is like the other strict mom. It's like yeah. two different types of parenting styles. And Barbara is the strict one. This thing kept coming up where like Barbara would always say, I live in Wyoming. Why should I care what's happening in New yeah. York? As like a good judgment of like whether it was a good topic. And for Joy, it was saying it has to either be debatable or relatable. I thought like those are things that like kept coming up that I thought were really interesting. I also think as another like overall theme, like just listening to Joy talk about this show that she's hosted for a million years, like Joy really has her finger on the pulse of what is good about The View and what makes a good episode and what they should be talking about, what they should not be talking about, how they should talk about things. Like it's incredible like how much Joy gets it. Yeah. Yeah, Joy really gets it. And I guess another big theme, if we're talking themes, is there was a lot of focus on the conservative seat yeah. overall and like who's fitting into that and and both the conservative seat and the young person seat, both of which are currently missing from the show. So it's interesting they talked so much about that and like the pressure that someone would have to feel going into that seat and the expectations that might be on that person and sort of like what might contribute to uh, how they feel about it afterwards. And it is interesting. They seem to talk around the name Megan McCain a lot without ever actually mentioning it. Yeah, her name was maybe maybe only mentioned even once, maybe just when Joy said who's going to replace Megan and that was it. Yeah, yeah. But they were clearly talking about her plenty. But there was also a lot of reference to Elizabeth Hasselbeck in the in the same way and, and talking about uh, the public reaction. I thought that was an interesting theme is talking about uh, the view in pop culture came up a lot and sort of like how people started talking about the view in the early days and the early parodies on SNL and then sort of like what that meant to them and that they didn't necessarily like it, but that it meant that they were in the conversation and people were paying attention. Okay. So let's go through the individual episodes and just give like a couple of our big takeaways from each one. 
the first episode that came out was between Meredith Vieira and Joy. Joy began the conversation by saying, hey, bitch. (laughs) That's not the only one she started hey bitch with (laughs) yeah my my first main takeaway was like this discussion that they got into pretty quickly about meredith always kissing people and in particular Mm -hmm. always kissing joy Mm -hmm. and joy said that she's the best kiss (laughs) but yeah it did kind of really bring back some memories of like always seeing meredith kissing the co-host but like it really was her like running gag with joy especially that they were like lesbian lovers and Mm -hmm. it's funny because if you type in like meredith and joy kissing on youtube like so much actually comes up like (laughs) so much comes up what there there was like a entire thing where when Meredith was hosting Millionaire, Joy came on and they made out on Who Wants oh, yeah. to Be a Millionaire. My favorite that I remember is Joy was receiving a GLAAD award. Uh, I'm not sure what year this was, like probably a decade ago. 1697. <laughs> the first GLAAD award. <laughs> uh, so Joy is receiving a GLAAD award and Meredith actually presented it to her and... I believe so, and made out with her on stage. And then, yeah, and then it made Joy like super flustered because I don't think it was planned. And (laughs) so Joy had to give her acceptance speech after and she's like super flustered. And it's just really funny because she's like thinking on her feet, like trying to be funny. And it's a really cute moment. This is too much attention on me. What she forgot to tell you is I had to steal her from Star Jones, all right? (laughs) Not that easy. She wrestled to me to the ground at her wedding, and I still have the sores. And uh, Barbara would have been here tonight, but she's signing her book at Chuck E. Cheese. Something LGBT had just happened to her. Yeah. So I liked hearing them talk about that. One of the things that I liked about View History, which was like View Prehistory, I think, where Joy mentioned that she had done a pilot for a show that was a panel of women. Oh, yeah. Similar to The View before And Meredith the View, was on it. And that Meredith was on the pilot, on the panel. And that I, I assume it didn't get picked up. I don't know anything about this. Yeah, like that's pretty amazing View trivia that's there. That's explosive. <laughs> Yeah, I also really enjoyed this part where they were talking about Meredith getting offered the job. And I guess she was like talking to her hair and makeup people. She was talking (laughs) to her hair and makeup people. And she had mentioned that she wasn't even sure if she wanted the job. And then I guess that had leaked somehow. (laughs) And uh, there were stories or like people were talking or something about how it was out there that Meredith didn't want the job. And I guess someone else who was like being closely considered who they did not name, that was like her axe to grind was being like, Meredith doesn't even want this job sort of thing. I thought that was like a really interesting tidbit that Meredith revealed there. And we don't have any idea who that is, right? No, I have no idea who that is. Like, it's it's too far back for... To... There's so many um, unanswered questions for me. Like, so many things came up in this where I was like, I don't remember reading that in Ladies Who Punch. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I don't remember it. 
But there were things that I was like, I just don't think that that's common knowledge. And I want like a follow up question. Yeah. But I but, like Joy doesn't care to, you know, like Joy, Joy doesn't care who the other person was. No, Joy doesn't care even if she remembers. But, but yeah. Meredith does care because Meredith is not the type of person to name names. <laughs> yeah. So that's that this episode for me created more questions than answers. It's crazy how Meredith was like Joy's first friend on The View. And like still to that this day, like it doesn't seem like anyone has ever compared to Meredith for her. Yeah. It's really like yeah. it's really cute, actually. She was begging her to come back to the show. Yeah, still. So let's move on. The next episode that they put out was between it's no secret she's my fave, Sherry and Sunny. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good choice of people to put together. I thought this one was really nice. I wouldn't say that I really learned anything from it. Maybe I did. You can illuminate anything. Oh, you did? Okay. So maybe I missed something, but I just thought it was really nice to hear Sunny and Sherry talk because I guess they've interacted on the show before when Sherry has co-hosted, but it's like always just so fleeting. And I really love to hear them like in conversation. I thought it was really cute. And I also felt like in this episode, Sunny was like an unofficial ambassador for Deja the View because I felt like she was asking all the questions that we might ask or like she loves Sherry in the same way that we love Sherry. She loves Sherry for the same reasons. Yeah. But yeah, I did learn stuff like mostly just I thought that I had like a full grasp of how Sherry came to join The View, which is that she was in the right place at the right time during the Rosie Elizabeth fight. But and that is true. But what I didn't realize is that like she says that she had been offered the job a couple of times before it was like official and that she didn't really want it and that she had been just kind of guest hosting um, the first time that she guest hosted, she well, she said that she had been trying to get booked as a guest uh, to promote Less Than Perfect, which is a great sitcom, or at least I remember <laughs> it as being good, and that they wouldn't book her. But then Star Jones, like last minute, had to go somewhere and they needed her quickly. And so they flew her out while she was pregnant. And she said that she was so pregnant that they brought her to the table in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, what was with that? Because clearly this woman knew that an opportunity was knocking and she wasn't going to say, no, I'm too pregnant for this. Do you have a wheelchair for me? I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. That's incredible. And then so she said she just kind of kept coming back and coming back because the co-host liked her, which is what Sunny said she related to because she just kept kind of guest hosting, guest hosting, just was always kind of hanging around but never given the job. And then on the day of the Rosie and Elizabeth fight, Sherry said that they were actually choosing between her and Kathy Griffin. And I knew yeah. I knew that Kathy was being considered, but I didn't know that it was like down to the final two of Sherry or Kathy. And Sherry and Kathy are really the side characters to this whole Elizabeth Rosie yeah. day because Sherry was, of course, guest hosting on the day of the fight. And she really earned a lot of praise from Bill and Barbara because she was constantly trying to break the tension during that argument with joy and Kathy happened to be 
co-hosting the following day, which you'll remember she iconically was badgering Barbara the whole episode, trying to get her to talk more about the fight. As you can see, is off today. It is indeed her partner Kelly's uh, birthday. It's a big birthday. It's the 40th birthday. Rosie asked to have the day off. That's okay with us. But cut um, the crap, Barbara. Come on, let's get to the good stuff. Oh, I have a question yeah. about that last dance. Yeah. Um, did you see the fight with Rosie and Elizabeth yesterday? <laughs> oh People have it more long term. Did you term. see that fight with Rosie and Elizabeth yesterday? That was. <laughs> that gave her I, I really don't want to rehash yesterday. You know what? Well, I again yeah it almost got her banned so that was really interesting to me because i had never heard it told in that way yeah you're right that i did learn that from the episode i just forgot yeah that was really really interesting because of the way that see the the way that they kept bringing up the rosie and elizabeth fight in every one of these episodes was like oh whatever 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 but then sherry had something to say about it because one she was there and two I think that people forget that Sherry wasn't a co-host when that happened. I mean, she's in the video and people just know Sherry is a co-host from The View, but she wasn't a permanent co-host at the time. She was just guesting. Mm -hmm. And like she really did well that day. I mean, she did as well as she could with Joy and they were like cracking jokes during the whole thing and being like, buy my comedy CD or like up next, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, that day earned both Sherry and Whoopi a job. Yeah. (laughs) And what she also said was part of what Barbara appreciated so much was that she didn't talk to the press after. Like, people Mm -hmm. were coming to her wanting her interview on being there for the fight, and she didn't give anyone a comment. And that, I guess, showed to Barbara that she was trustworthy. Yeah. My other big, you know, takeaway from this was just hearing about Sherry's like overall evolution on the show, because like, as I said many times, it's my favorite, the way that she went from this, you know, the world is flat. Mm -hmm. I haven't really thought about it, whoopee, Jehovah's Witness, former Jehovah's Witness, Christian lady who had never voted to the person that she transformed into by the time she was done the show is incredible to me. And I loved hearing her talk about Barbara and talk about how strict Barbara was with her and how hard Barbara was on her and how Barbara behind the scenes to Sherry would say, you need to read a book. But then Mm -hmm. when Barbara was on, you know, a radio show, like promoting something, talking to Howard Stern she would say nothing but praise about Sherry. So I thought that was a really interesting dynamic of like tough love. And Sherry is an example of someone who really took that advice as difficult as it was and transformed. Whereas yeah. you hear about, you know, you listen to like Jenny McCarthy talk about Barbara and Barb- and she's just like, she's mean. <laughs> <laughs> She kicked me under the table. Right. But Sherry, like, actually seemed to, like, understand what this dynamic was and respect it and grow from it. So I liked hearing about that. Sherry came ready to learn. Jenny came ready to get kicked. (laughs) Out, yeah. Let's have Sunny and Sherry host more things together. Yeah. Like The View, for example. 
Okay, should we move on? What's going on with Sherry on Wendy? Is she taking over that show? Oh, yeah. So Sherry got to host the Wendy show for a full week, which is a thing that's been happening where they've had guests go host for a full week while Wendy is sick or, you know, not well. And apparently Sherry's was the one with the highest ratings, or that's what I saw in an article. But they haven't announced that she's coming back to do another week or anything yet. So far... Leah Remini and Michelle Visage are are on their second round. But I don't... Was the article written by Oma Mama? Probably. (laughs) Yeah, Sherry doesn't need a co-host. She has already got two of them, left leg and right leg. (laughs) But I do... I don't... You know, I wish Wendy well. I'm not saying Wendy needs to necessarily hang it up. I think, like, she's still bringing a lot of pop culture moments to the table. But if Wendy were to move on... I think Sherry is a natural choice or at least like give Sherry the Friday episodes or something of Wendy. Yeah. yeah. That would be so Or maybe amazing. it just shows like outside of the Wendy show, Sherry is good on daytime television. And like, I don't know that Sher- we're going to have the Sherry Shepard show. I mean, daytime is pretty saturated with talk shows, but there's got to be a place for Sherry on TV. Yeah. I mean, she is hosting a radio show where she talks about pop culture dish nation, yeah. but it's not the same. Anyways. It's not TV. Yeah, so the next one was Lisa Ling and Sarah. And I am a massive Lisa Ling fan. I do watch This Is Life. And <laughs> my biggest takeaway from this... Is that the show with Mandy Moore? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's This Is Us <laughs> on ABC. My What I learned from this episode is that Sarah Haynes is actually... The biggest Lisa Ling super fan ever. I was shocked because not only did Sarah reveal, because they were like, they always ask each other, like, did you watch The View before you joined? And Sarah was like, I was the biggest fan of the show before I joined. And I had been watching you and admiring you for so long. And not only that, I knew you when you were on Channel One, and I was a fan of you when you were doing High School News. Yeah. <laughs> so I, Sarah was borderline like, I had a pinup of you in my locker. <laughs> yes, and she kept being like, oh my God, my dr- like, please come back. My dream is to sit next to you on the table, <laughs> on the t- at the table. <laughs> on the table. But my dream is to lay on the, the table. table with you. <laughs> so that was like the biggest takeaway from this. But... The Emmy-winning moment from this episode was when Lisa was talking about how she had left The View and she had, you know, started moving on to other projects and doing her other TV shows and things and how this was a moment where she started to choke up talking about Barbara because she said, there was a day where I got an email. Actually, I have a quote. She says, one of the most powerful moments for me was years after I left The View, I got an email from Barbara and it said, and then she starts to choke up and she's, it says, dearest Lisa, I am watching you and I am proud of you. And she starts crying. And I thought, yeah. I'm like, that was, I had like chills after that because I just think it really like that really just speaks to the dynamic that like Barbara brought to the table where she's like this, she was hard on her daughters, but she really like pushed them to succeed and cared about them. And I also just think like listening to Lisa choke up about this, like 
it's easy to forget sometimes like what's going on with Barbara right now because that it's not something that has been put out in a statement by the Walters family that Barbara is not well right now and we don't know for certain what's going on with her but there have been all of these reports that she has dementia and she has for a couple of years now and it's like something to really think about when listening to these interviews with these past co-hosts and they're talking about Barbara the subtext here is that like a lot of these hosts are actually like grieving right now yeah like they're grieving their friend and their mentor and I think like this is clearly not something that Barbara wanted her family to release in the press or anything like what's going on with her health and that's probably why we don't hear about it and that's probably why they don't talk about it on The View but it just like adds a really interesting and emotional subtext to to these moments. I thought especially with times that Whoopi was hosting I felt like anytime that Whoopi was talking about Barbara it felt very that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like there's a lot going on here that isn't really being said. But when you think about it that way and you listen to it again, it's like, whew, these are actually, this is actually kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. So the next episode that we got. Best friends in the whole world. Was Nicole Wallace and Whoopi Goldberg. And yeah, my biggest takeaway from that was I had no idea that these two were madly in love with each other. It was actually wild to listen to them just like flirt with each other for 30 minutes or whatever. I almost didn't believe it at first because Whoopi's like this with everybody. Whoopi's just so uh, like she's as soon as you work with her, as long as you're not Rosie O'Donnell, she really like takes you under her wing. (laughs) Does she not like Paula? Yeah, remember? Or at least there were all these articles about it. (laughs) I've blocked that out of my memory. But there's so many people that will be just like, oh, yeah, we're family now. And I thought that that's because I think she's brought up Nicole before. It's been mentioned like maybe once or twice. And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll be like treats her the same way. Or maybe Nicole has talked about it. But either way, over the course of this conversation, it became clear that they're like ride or die. They've probably bought plots. (laughs) next to each other in the cemetery like they are planning to spend the rest of eternity together but it also seemed like Whoopi was alluding to the fact that they don't talk hardly ever that's true (laughs) but there's like a deep love between them because of how much fun they were having together behind the scenes I guess it makes sense because like that would have been a really traumatic and chaotic time for Whoopi because all of her co-hosts were just fired from the show. So she clearly must have latched on to Nicole as and was like, you're my person. <laughs> because yeah. they were talking about how they would just laugh and laugh behind the scenes. And it's funny because like I watched that se- season very closely. And you definitely could not tell that they were besties on air. Like they were very, they liked each other, but I had no idea they were besties behind the scenes i was also surprised because i thought just based on like twitter that rosie and nicole were friends like i thought rosie o'donnell and nicole wallace were very friendly with one another because rosie's always tweeting about nicole's show and she's like quote tweeting and retweeting and i just assumed that that had to do with their friendship but here nicole was very like i mean she wasn't 
mean about Rosie, but she was like, my relationship with Rosie has been very rocky and it's only recently gotten somewhat better because we've had some like nice conversations, but it was certainly not like a love fest. In more recent years, they have bonded over like hatred of Trump. And Nicole talks about it in this episode a little bit, how it started because they had been on a flight together after the show. But yeah, I mean, that that's the main takeaway from the episode, actually, is like their discussion about Rosie, because Nicole goes into it and just says, like, I've never I never could figure Rosie O'Donnell out. Like I was close with Rosie Perez and I was close with you, but like her and I could just not figure it out. And she says that she believes that Rosie O'Donnell had muscle memory of fighting with the Republican and mm. also that like Rosie was just like not in a good place in her life at that time. And Nicole kind of implies that Rosie was the just kind of like an aggressive person. <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. kind of how it comes off. I also thought it was interesting to hear Whoopi talk so much about this because I've never heard Whoopi talk so much about Rosie. Yeah. And I felt like it was because her best friend Nicole was talking to her and she almost forgot she was on a podcast. Yes. And she was just like talking with her friend Nicole about Rosie O'Donnell because usually Whoopi just goes a little bit silent or like says like oh yeah Rosie or like says something that's just like non-committal but here she was like yeah I don't know what Rosie's problem was with me she thinks I'm the meanest and nastiest person she's ever met and I, I thought it was interesting also that she added that like I think that one day Rosie's going to meet an actual nasty person and then she'll realize I'm not so bad. Yeah, that was kind of how it ended. And yeah. I, I agree, like, Whoopi's never gone into it uh, this much. I, mean, I think on Howard Stern, he tried to get her to talk about it. It felt like a breakthrough, even though it's just the first step. And even though <laughs> yeah. I don't think that Nicole and Whoopi really talked about what actually went down the root of the problem they did not discuss that at all they just talked about Rosie's personality flaw <laughs> but yeah. but it was just a breakthrough in getting Whoopi to even talk about it and then also to hear Whoopi say she thinks I'm mean but when I see her I make sure that I'm give her a hug anyway yeah. So I feel like we're getting somewhere. Nicole also said that Barbara called her. Barbara was not on the show anymore at this point, but this was Barbara had only just retired and was still like uh, keeping tabs on the show. Yeah. And apparently she had called Nicole and said, did you really get fired in Variety? <laughs> or like find out, <laughs> did you really find out in Variety? And uh, had like, offered to help Nicole with like anything that she could so I thought that was interesting oh yeah because Barbara didn't even work with Nicole on the show and actually this is also because as the show goes on and like Raven Simone gets hired and Candace gets hired and it's a bit of a disaster there I remember reading articles about Barbara calling into the show to complain about uh, (laughs) how they had child stars ruining the show (laughs) Barbara was the original Deja the View yeah (laughs) <laughs> but before we move on, can I just mention that like shortly after this happened, it was Whoopi's birthday on The View and Nicole was wheeled out as a surprise guest at the very end. They're like, we have one more surprise. And then 
Nicole Wallace walks out with a tray of food and Joy. It was, <laughs> it was just so, so awkward the whole thing. Because Joy felt the need to explain who Nicole was to the audience, which like I get, I get where Joy's coming from. But also they had like a photo montage of pictures of Nicole and Whoopi on the show together on the screen in the background. And Nicole's standing there and Whoopi's like, or Joy's like, well, we should tell, we should tell the audience who she is. See, Nicole used to be on the show and that was in one iteration of the show. And she just kept rambling. They just had not scripted the whole segment at all. And they kept being like, okay, Nicole, would she like to say anything? As though Nicole had like a speech to deliver, like as if Nicole had gone to the producers and been like, okay, I'll say something to Whoopi, you know, in the last five minutes of the show. And they're like, so Nicole, anything to say? And she was like, no, not really. There's some chips on the tray. was one of the incarnations that that the view came up with one year. Yes. I, I noticed there's there's things here. Food, potato chips. Food. I love, but um, <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do now. Well, you don't have to do anything. Nicole maybe wants to talk a little. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, why did they make her wheel out a cart of chips? <laughs> <laughs> how awkward for her and like I get it like I get where this idea came from like listening to Whoopi and Nicole on this podcast I'd be like oh my god this is a lovely surprise for Whoopi and I'm sure it was but in terms of like a TV moment yeah it was weird it wasn't fully thought through what was she gonna do come out and start juggling chips like <laughs> <laughs> of course she was just like happy birthday the end yeah. And there was, like, too much extra time at the end. It was just, it was actually, like, classic The View. Like, very The View. So, moving on. The next episode that they put out was the strangest combination of people. (laughs) It was between Raven, Candace, and Sarah. And this is the one that they probably had the least to say about. It was just, Mm -hmm. overall, it was just, like, I couldn't understand why they put these three together. I don't know why you wouldn't put Raven with Whoopi. Yeah. I thought that the whole point of this episode was that they were going to rehash yes. the wedding cake fight. Yeah, like, and let me it literally my never position. got mentioned. Yes, they which, didn't say it once. Which would have been very much in line with like my <laughs> like fantasy about like bringing the panels all back together (laughs) for a reunion. But yeah, they definitely didn't get into that. And I mean, what was that? Like, I just have nothing to say. Like they both, I guess the biggest takeaway was that they both said that they felt catfished by the show, which means that this was in a very strange transitional period of the show where different executives and producers were coming in and they all wanted to like shake up the show and change the identity of the show and then it quickly changed back into something else so they hired people like Candace and Raven to talk about pop culture and talk about family and light topics and then the election started and it quickly just turned into a show about politics again so they both felt like lied to about the show And what I thought Raven said that was really interesting 
was that Raven actually feels like she was kind of a flop on the show. She feels like she flopped. Like she doesn't seem to regret it because it did something good for her career. But she seems to like, it sounded like she was almost embarrassed of like how she came off on the show, Mm. which I thought was kind of surprising. I guess it's not surprising because she did get a lot of backlash for things that she said. Well, she talked about the petition to get her taken off the show. Yeah. And then I remember it. And then she was like, well, I guess I guess every co-host has a petition to get them taken off the show. And Sarah was like, well, nobody would sign my petition because they don't know who I am. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I feel bad for Raven that she thinks that she was a flop on the show because I thought Maybe her opinions and things that she said were a little too off the cuff and a little crazy, but she was very entertaining on the show. I definitely thought she fit in. Not my favorite episode. It's just and, a dumb episode. And actually, the next they kind of hit a bit of a lull because yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the next episode. Well, by the time it goes to Debbie Matinopoulos, it's down to twenty eight minutes. Yeah, <laughs> the episodes start getting shorter and shorter. And so imagine if they did a podcast uh, reviewing our overall podcast. <laughs> uh, so then they get to Debbie and Joy, and it, it really, there's not too much to say here. Like, we already know Debbie's story. She was, you know, too young and... I guess there were some interesting take. Well, first of all, Joy said, hey, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, bitch. How are you? You know, and they talked about the original audition. And interesting takeaway was that I knew that like the first group that they put together was the group that they went with. But I didn't realize that that's the only group that Barbara sat down with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joy kept saying that Debbie got the job only because of her Greek mom, which you've heard before. Mm -hmm. Debbie really, I mean, I I think Debbie like understands her place in the show pretty well. But it was funny to hear. (laughs) She just kept saying, I'm the original this and the original that. First, she's like, I'm the original survivor. I was the first one voted off the island. Then she's like, I'm the original Twitter. I didn't really understand that one. She's oh, like, I'm but, the I'm the original Twitter because people used to email me. Yes, that was a thing where I guess people used to email the show and Debbie would always respond to the emails. I think this was in Ladies Who Punch too. Like people would complain and Debbie would respond and apparently <laughs> Star read them as well. And yeah. Joy also said that Elizabeth would do it too. And Joy would always be like, stop that. <laughs> stop doing that so <laughs> that actually is pretty funny and she yeah. also talked about um how she was like parodied on snl so much and that you know that final skit where debbie actually appears in it after being fired from the view mm-hmm. uh she said that she actually helped write that with tina fey yeah that was wild i did think that debbie had a really like interesting overall perspective on like barbara and how like when Debbie was getting all of this press, Barbara w- kept trying to like sweep it under the rug, sweep it under the rug, because it reminded me of like when Rosie was getting all of this press and Barbara would go on the show and like deny, deny, deny. And like same with when Elizabeth was getting fired, Barbara went on the show and denied, denied, denied. And I thought like Debbie had a really interesting like perspective on that because she said it was all about like Barbara always trying to protect her reputation as a journalist, like while doing this beast of a show 
Yeah, which made sense. But then Debbie also said, like, wouldn't it have been so much better if we just went on and talked about it? Yeah. So just like, you know, there's an article about me dancing on a table at a bar. What if we went on and talked about it? Yeah. Like, that would have been great. But obviously, I think it was too early days for Barbara yeah. to do that. So the other thing that happened is that after Debbie appeared on The View for her Flashback Friday episode... She ended up going on the Michelle Collins serious radio show to promote her new skincare line. And she had mentioned, she started talking unprompted about how she was at The View for that. And she just out of nowhere, again, unprompted, starts talking shit about Anna Navarro. And she just starts to say that she said everyone there was so lovely except Anna Navarro she wouldn't even look me in the eye and she was so mean to me. What? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it just feels so weird to, if you don't know, like, it really said a lot about Debbie Matinopoulos because clearly she's the type of person who you, when you don't even know someone like Anna Navarro and maybe they're, who, whether they're mean to you or not, to then immediately go on a public show and just start talking shit about them yeah it really says a lot about debbie like how mean could anna be i don't know like i don't want to believe that anna was mean but like let's say that she was isn't it kind of like a small dick move to then go on a radio show and just be like (laughs) very like vaguely just be like she's mean yeah when you just met her yeah bizarre bizarre behavior so the next episode they put out was an interview with Jedediah Bila and Sonny Hostin. And at this point, the interview is irrelevant, but they, <laughs> they had a lovely interview. It was a really, really positive interview. They reminisced on really great discussions that they had and going to Disney and how they both were hired as like the eighth seventh and eighth part-time co-hosts but they evolved into full-time co-hosts and jed talked about how bizarre it was debating with the icon Whoopi goldberg and she Mm -hmm. also talked about this thing that kept coming up about how she felt got in her head about like what the executives there wanted her to say and what they wanted her to be like as a conservative she's apparently more conservative now than ever before and she got talked about generally just being shocked when she was fired. And also Sunny talked about being just as shocked when Jed was fired because the show was doing so well when it happened. That's kind of like the overall thing that they talked about. Yeah. One thing that I want to note from this is that Jed pitched a really, really great idea when they were talking about the Disney trip and Sunny's aversion to roller coasters and stuff like that. And she said that she's, still trying to get the producers to send Sunny to a haunted house which like look I know that Jed is a crazy person but she's she made a point on that yeah. one she's like I can't get into a haunted house right now because I'm not back <laughs> so Sunny should go the thing that really needs to be talked about here is that not too long after this episode aired, a couple weeks later, Jed Adiabila gets booked to be on The View. Mm-hmm. And for those who like follow her closely on Twitter, you probably have seen that she's been going on these rants lately about opposing the vaccine mandates. 
So mm-hmm. there was like a period where she was ranting about the vaccine mandates, but was also booked on The View. So it was like, well, is she going to be there in person or is what's going to happen? Is it going to get canceled? Because it doesn't seem like she's going to be able to get into the building. Yeah. And lo and behold, she couldn't get into the building. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. she's not vaccinated. Yeah. It was a Zoom interview. So she comes on to promote her new book, Dear Hartley, which is a book she has written to her child who is not of a reading age at this point. And so I'm not quite sure who the audience is for this book, who's buying this book. I was thinking about that a lot today for some reason. I was just thinking like (laughs) her whole brand is being a political commentator. So it's actually quite a strange move to be like, now I'm doing a parenting book. But also, like, how did she sell that book, like, to the publisher? I know. I know. So, anyway, they're they're going through this. And then, of course, like, they had to address that she is anti-vaccine mandate. And so Joy introduces this. And she's like, look, like, Jed, you know, the Surgeon General has said this. Uh, we know that vaccines are safe. This is not like a, this is not the issue you're making it out to be. So I don't understand why you just don't get vaccinated. And then Jedediah is talking about how she has natural immunity and she's had 27 doctors write notes about how she can't get vaccinated or something bad going to happen to her. Because she had COVID. Yeah, she did. She and her whole family got COVID. And, but that like really has nothing to do with this idea that she shouldn't be getting the vaccine. Yeah, that's why Or that she has natural immunity. Like, I mean, I guess she would have some immunity from getting COVID, but like her pitch is that she has a medical exemption to getting the vaccine. She believes that she has found the hidden immunity idol, (laughs) but it's just a stick. Yeah, it's just a fucking stick. But the vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID and does not prevent you from transmitting COVID. Oh my goodness. Reality, well, and no, we have that's seen that. not so. Come on. No, You've been at Fox TV too long. Joy, you don't have to listen to me on that. You don't have to listen to me. You can listen to the director of the CDC. You can- and the whole audience just goes wild for that joke. And you just Screeches. see Joy is so proud of herself. And yeah. in the audience, like, you can hear, like, a wild bird. You don't have to listen to me on that. <laughs> And then Sunny starts laying into Jed as well. And Sunny's like, look, Manny's parents died because people like you refuse to get vaccinated and are comfortable to continue to carry and spread the virus to people who are vulnerable. And I think that it's so like the medical exemption or uh, anything negative that might happen to you from the vaccine is so incredibly rare. And I like basically she was saying she doubts without saying the word she was like i sincerely doubt that you have a medical reason why you can't get the vaccine and that basically you're just being selfish and ridiculous and she just would like not let jed talk she just continued talking over her the entire time it was like i'm sorry my friend i'm sorry my yes friend. like trying to because it's uncomfortable like this is a person that sunny just on this podcast proclaimed they're they're friends and then here she is like having to really put jed in her place but she's trying to be nice my friend i'm sorry my friend you know but i am opposed to the mandate 162,000 people have died from covid including manny's in-laws 
And I just, we've been friends a long time, but I just, uh, Manny's parents, I just don't understand why you would choose to prioritize your personal freedom over health and safety of others. And so I just, I just, I just so really again, don't think that we should again, allow Sonny, this kind of misinformation again, um, on, again, on our Sonny, website. I am we've had this U.S. We've had the United States Surgeon General debunk. Yes, I heard what he said. Everything that you've just said, and I, I just don't think no. we should we should so a, you allow have a this kind General of misinformation on, on our air. I'm, yeah. I'm really sorry, Sonny, my friend. First of all, I'm really sorry, Sonny, my first friend. Of all, no one is saying that the vaccine is 100 percent going to prevent you from getting COVID. The whole point is that it's going to increase your likelihood of not getting COVID, and if you do get it, you're less likely to die. <laughs> And, like, everyone knows that. So this whole thing happened, but there's two ways that you could look at it now, which is, like, did she just, like, earn her spot back at the table? No. Well, first of all, she can't come to the table. Okay, but let's say that we shoot Jed with a blow dart and vaccinate her. Uh, Or, you know, they offer her this contract, and she says, fine, I'll get vaccinated, but I'm going to sit there every day and oppose the vaccine mandate like i don't think that abc wants to put somebody on a mainstream television show who is encouraging people to oppose the vaccine mandate or the vaccine yeah i don't think that that's where abc is at right now yeah i guess you're right it's just that like are they gonna find like i just feel like looking for someone who is gonna disagree with the co-host on anything is probably going to have a similar position on vaccines I know, to Jed. I know. So it just feels like... It's like they don't want a Trumper and they don't want an anti-vaxxer, so what are they looking for? Yeah. They're not going to find what they're looking for, I think, unless, without putting someone like Jed back on the panel. Or Michelle Tofino... <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell that lady is. Janine Pirro's Tofife. little sister. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I totally, like, I was entertained by this discussion, because I do think it is very fascinating to listen to Jed, like, twist the facts to suit this narrative. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I know that, like, there's an argument to be made that, like, it's bad to give people like that a platform. So yeah, I mean, I was entertained by it, because it was Jed, and she had, you know, just done this thing with Sunny, where they were talking about how much they can disagree but still be friendly also sunny went off after this like sunny yeah so like the got on part notes three app. is that sunny released yeah. a five-part notes app Statement. takedown of jedediah yeah. bila after this so a lot of people were like are is the friendship over like is <laughs> are we never seeing jed on the view ever again like what's happening with this i think sunny prides herself on her ability to separate uh, these kinds of issues from her friendships. And I think they're going to get over it. But right now she's seething. Mm-hmm. Understandably so. Do you think that the reason that she left Fox is because they said, we're going to have a vaccine <laughs> policy? Yeah, yeah they, they, they enforced a vaccine mandate. It just sucks that like this is where we're at, where I don't think they're filling that conservative seat with Jed, certainly, or with anyone at this point. Maybe that's for the best. Anyways, so the next episode was between Abby Huntsman and Sarah. Abby just today spilled the beans on Instagram that she's going to be on The View tomorrow, which is Friday, November 19th. Well, if you listen closely to this episode of the podcast, she actually spills the beans here. 
Because she says, I'll be there November 19th, Sarah. Let's get lunch. Does she really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't realize that. Can't get these gals to keep a secret. They also could have just cut it out of the app. <laughs> but anyways, Abby and Sarah, the folklore and evermore of The View, sat mm-hmm. down together for a candid conversation about their time on the show. This is by far the episode that I had the least takeaways from because... <laughs> We already know Abby's experience. She said it was a toxic environment. She she felt that way from the executives, and she felt like they were pushing her to not be herself as much as she wanted to be. Uh, and she also said that she thought she would have been perfect on The View in 1998, but not <laughs> not today. <laughs> in 1998, she was listening to Hanson's Mbop and going to junior high. Yeah. There's really not much to say about this, although... I have a couple of things to say. Sarah, Sarah and Abby were complaining about their experience being quote-unquote independence on the panel mm-hmm. and how the response to that is just like, come on, form an opinion, pick a side. And they're like, look, that's the thing about being independent. So we don't have to pick a side. But this is interesting, again, because of the timing, because there's an article with Sunny in the cut by our friend Evan Ross Katz, where uh, Sunny talks about Sarah. She's talking about the makeup of the panel right now and, you know, who they need in terms of, like, do they need a conservative? Do they need someone more progressive? And she says this. Sarah says she's an independent, but statistically there have been studies that show that independent people are just people that don't want to be stigmatized by their own choices. Is she really an independent or just somebody that won't commit? We need somebody that will commit and we don't have that voice. And we need someone that's not duplicative of anyone else on the panel. That's tea and shade. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that she would say that so so openly. But I mean... She's in terms of like political views, she's not wrong. Like I I don't think we need any more independence on the panel. But the thing about Sarah is Sarah actually brings a lot of other things to the table that are not in the political realm that the other hosts do not. So Well, I kind of think that that's what Sunny's getting at here. I don't think that Sunny's actually being like, Sarah can't pick a side and she's not bringing anything to the conversation. I think what she's talking about, because I think she was asked about the fifth chair, I think what she's talking about is like, Sarah's an independent, you know, I kind of wish she would take a stronger stance, but that's not the role that she's in. And so the person that we need to add needs to take a strong stance to like balance out the panel. I think that's what she's getting at. I just feel like the term independent or moderate just means like you are loving the status quo. And I can't understand like how anyone would identify that way. But I think a lot of people definitely thought Sunny was being shady towards Sarah. And maybe she was. I don't know. So nearing the end, we have an interview with Whoopi and Joy. Whoopi and Joy are TV's most underrated dynamic duo, I feel. And it's 
I understand why people don't talk about it because they're on an entire panel and it's ensemble, but I don't think people talk about like how long Whoopi and Joy have been together hosting a show as the and the chemistry that Whoopi and Joy have and the like love and respect between them. It's not often talked about. So I like that we got just an episode of these two together. Yeah. What were This your... was the blockbuster episode. I understand why they left it as the penultimate episode of the series because it's really the one that I didn't know I needed to hear Whoopi and Joy talk for so long together, but it just made sense once I was. Even like straight out of the gate, it's like, Joy was eating an iced lolly on a podcast, which like rule number one of podcasting, don't eat on a podcast. (laughs) And Whoopi's like, well, yeah, why are you eating a fudgicle? And she's like, I just have these yogurt pops. I had the feminine urge to eat a fudgicle. A yogurt pop. (laughs) For me, like the biggest thing I got from this was listening to Whoopi and Joy talk about how Whoopi got the job. Yeah. And how... Barbara had had Whoopi and Rosie and the dolls over for dinner. Plus an unnamed third and, potential right, who we th- moderator. We think maybe that was Gail King, but we don't know. Then the next day or whatever, Barbara called Whoopi and said, we're giving the job to Rosie. And then, of course, Rosie was there for a year and we all saw how that ended. And... Whoopi was hired with it. We got a call again from Barbara and she said, okay, now you can have the job. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really interesting hearing about that because sometimes like I forget like how that must have felt for Whoopi to like have this. It was at a time where Whoopi felt in her career that she had been canceled. I'm not sure if that's really true, but that's certainly how she felt at the time that like she was blackballed in the industry because of like comments she had made about George Bush. So to have this new opportunity dangled in front of her and then given to Rosie O'Donnell and then to have that kind of blow up and Whoopi to know that she was the second choice, like I it's there's something to be said about like how that must have felt for Whoopi. Mm-hmm. And we got a voice memo talking about this that I think like put it really well. So it comes from someone whose Instagram name is Aunt Arctica. Hey, Deja the View. Love you guys so much. You guys are the number one view podcast. Behind the Table could never. But I have been listening to Behind the Table and um, I wanted to ask your guys' thoughts on Whoopi's perspective on Rosie. I think people have always been kind of negative about Whoopi's perspective on Rosie and that she's unbothered. But I really think if you think about it, Whoopi was passed over they hired Rosie instead of Whoopi. Then Rosie makes a big mess and then Whoopi comes in and cleans it up. And then like what, seven, eight years later, they bring Rosie back as if like nothing happened. Like I would be pissed if I was Whoopi. I feel like Whoopi had every right to do whatever she wanted because it's her show and Rosie kind of like, I don't know, tried to take it from her. But we love them both. Thank you. Right? So like, I yeah. don't, I think when you think about it in that way, it really makes sense why Whoopi's dynamic with Rosie when they were on the show together was so bad. Yeah. Because whether Whoopi will ever admit it or not, I'm sure that that factored into it. Yeah, I had never thought about that before, that Whoopi was second choice. I mean, she had to step into this role that Rosie 
you know, could no longer fill. And then Rosie came back and was like, I want my same old role back. And Whoopi's like, I've been doing this work forever. So please. Yeah. And like, I don't, it's not that I think, I don't think Rosie had negative intentions, but. No, I don't think so either. I think she was just used to the position that she had. She's yeah. used to being the host. A She's leader. never not been the host. She's a natural yeah. leader. She's a force of nature. <laughs> Obviously she felt some defensiveness or felt some type of way about it. And it makes sense that like things just kind of devolved the way that they did. I thought, I think that's a really good observation. When Whoopi was talking about Rosie with Nicole and they were kind of just making it sound like, oh, well, Rosie was in a really stressful time in her life. She just wasn't well at that moment. And, you know, she has big feelings and she, you know, she would get mad at us all the time. And Whoopi saying, I just could never really figure her out. I just don't understand her. And she said I was mean and all these things. But it's like, it's none of my business, I guess. That's really for Whoopi to unpack in therapy. But like, it would have been, it would be great if one day like Whoopi and Rosie could talk about that and how that must have made Whoopi feel and maybe why Whoopi was that way towards Rosie. Maybe you could mediate this discussion on a future episode of Behind the Table. <laughs> and I think like, I think they both are open to it. I do think so. Like I deep so down, too. deep down. Yeah. Maybe not in a public forum, but I think they're ready to reconcile. Exactly. And maybe just, I just hope that they can be honest about what took place (laughs) rather than just being like, we had a lot of feelings or they can do whatever they want. But I just think like it's become a lot more clear to me through this podcast and through some meditation, you know, that what the situation really was. They can do whatever they want, but you know what's best for the two of them. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So that was nice. Uh, and then we got one final episode, the season finale, which was this ep- <laughs> this interview, this sit down between Whoopi Goldberg and her boss, Brian Tutta. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like her like yearly review. <laughs> yeah, it was her performance review. It was also to some extent his performance review by <laughs> yeah. Whoopi. <laughs> I liked this. I thought this was good. I mean, like, Whoopi's just a funny host because she speaks in such generalities. Yeah. When Whoopi talks about any situation that might be contentious, she speaks like, well, you know, you got one person going this way and the other one's going the (laughs) other way, and it'll all work out in the end. My takeaways were that, like, he also hated the COVID shows. Apparently, mm-hmm. the morning meeting is back now that Megan is gone. Yeah. My other favorite part is this moment where Brian is talking about Whoopi and he is like, I think you're the hardest person to predict where you're going to fall on something. And I agree with that. And then Whoopi goes, yes. And then he says, and I think you also have a little bit of a contrarian bent to you. And Whoopi goes, well, that's not true. <laughs> but also she's like when he's like you're the hardest to predict she's like she's like yes i am well no you can predict me you know exactly what i'm gonna say and then she like bullies him into being like oh yeah you're right i do know exactly (laughs) and then the last thing they kind of talked about is like replacing megan and finding a conservative host But what I really liked was that he mentioned that the best political debates on the show have not actually come from 
political commentators. And it seems like he is more of the mind that they shouldn't be looking necessarily auditioning political commentator after political commentator like they have been and they should think outside the box a little bit more like with Elizabeth who is from Survivor yeah he specifically said that and then I think Whoopi said well we should make that a show we should make it a reality show and I was like yes we should yeah let's make it a reality like search for the next pussycat doll well that is how the view used to fill the seat back in the day. That's why we have that video of Elizabeth rotating Mm -hmm. around in the chair. (laughs) Brian must not have all that much of a say in who they're auditioning because it sounds like he agrees with me that they shouldn't just be auditioning political (laughs) commentators because they've... Yet they keep hiring political commentators to come audition. When you look at it, they've only auditioned political commentators. So... Yeah, they should get in like more like real housewives like you know people who are like in the public eye they don't have to be they don't have to be reality stars but i think like real people who are in the public eye work really well yeah or like find a conservative actress who whose career is in a lull (laughs) so those are all my takeaways all in all i was very entertained by this yeah it was a nice treat and i look forward to working on season two (laughs) anyways but i will say about the podcast look it was very enjoyable we learned some things we laughed we cried yeah we did we laughed and cried yeah all right anything else you'd like to say elizabeth no i had a good time it was nice to chat with you i miss marie we i miss marie as well love being on with you though and it's always a pleasure. That's a real treat for me. It's like a fudgesicle. A yogurt a, pop in my mouth. On a podcast recording. <laughs> so thank you for listening, little hunties. Tomorrow is going to be, a, even though this episode won't be out by tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> is going to be a celebration of the return of Abby. I can't wait to see what that is like. And until next time. Everyone, have a great day and take a little time to enjoy fudgesicles. Hit it, Abby. That's all, folks.